This story for this morning is from the book of Exodus, and it is the story of the golden calf. And we know that story, or so we believe we do, but let's listen this morning for something that perhaps we have not heard. When the people saw that Moses was delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make God for us, gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold ring that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it into a mold, and cast the image of a cow. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once, your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you, I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord and said, O Lord, Why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that God brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Change your mind and do not bring disaster upon your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Israel, and your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land I have promised you I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. Then the Lord God changed his mind about the disaster that God had planned to bring upon the people. 
The word of the Lord. In our house, it is my husband, Paul, who cooks. And he is an excellent cook. He plans the menu. He finds the recipes. He does all the food shopping and most of the preparation. We help. But all the credit goes to my husband. Not too long ago, one holiday, I decided that I would give him a break and that I would take responsibility for the holiday meal. And so I prepared a beautiful, delicious turkey with the dressing and mashed potatoes and even scalloped oysters. They are wonderful. And so when people walked into the dining room and complimented my husband on the beautiful dinner, well, let's just say I recovered eventually. It is good to know who to thank, whom to thank for the good things that we receive. It is vital to remember that it is God the God of steadfast love and faithfulness who gives us all good things. And it is equally vital to give thanks. And it is life-saving to do so. And it is one thing to say, worship only God, but it is quite another to do it. So let's explore how it happens that we so easily give up God for other things. It is an anxious time for the Israelites, as the children said, and they are afraid. They have been hungry and thirsty. They are anxious. Moses has gone up the mountain into a devouring fire, and he has been there 40 days and 40 nights, which in Bible speak is a long time. For them, Moses is gone. He's left us, just as we feared. Moses in this God, Yahweh, have led us out into the wilderness to die, just as we've been saying all along. Of course, rewind. The people were slaves to a tyrant who murdered their children. And God led them to freedom. They were thirsty in the desert, and God gave them water. They were hungry in the desert, and God gave them food. God invited them to be God's own people and gave them a law, worship me. Give thanks to the one who freed you who feeds you, who leads you. Moses read the law before all of the people, and the people on hearing it said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will be obedient. <laughs> well, Moses goes up the mountain because God is now writing this in stone. Right? They've said, okay. God says, putting it in stone. And while God is on the mountaintop communing with God, 
the people become incredibly anxious. And they turn to Aaron and say, fix it. Do something. Do it now. You lead us. Moses is gone. Aaron, we can imagine, is anxious himself in the midst of this angry and fearful people who come demanding that he do something. And so he collects their jewelry. Yes, the people worship earrings. Let's just say it. They worship earrings. They take the earrings off of their ears, give it them to Aaron, who makes this golden calf. Now, we can think about the calf as maybe Aaron was making it as a seat for Yahweh to ride on. Calf, it was a fertility image in, in the Canaanite religion. This is our God. And they sacrificed, they gave their jewelry, they gave their food. While God has been forging a relationship with them, the people are forging a God of gold with no power to lead them, no power to feed them, no power to love them. And worship becomes revelry. Self-indulgence, it temporarily relieves anxiety. But it is not the basis for an enduring society. We live in anxious times. Ebola, ISIS, people are getting their heads cut off. The stock market was particularly volatile last week, and so everybody's jittery and the concerns over the economy in Europe. But there is something exceptionally or exceptional about anxiety in America. We have the highest rates of anxiety in any developed nation. Let's look at the symptoms of chronic anxiety. In chronic anxiety, we lose our capacity to relate to one another with reasonableness and honesty. Need we mention Congress? Chronic anxiety, there's a high level of reactivity to perceived threats. Take Ferguson. There are exaggerated fears of insecurity. We are constantly told we do not have enough, we are not good enough, we are not beautiful enough, that there is always more if we want to be happy we must work harder to be successful and then we will be happy and the tyranny doesn't stop. Work hard, be successful, be safe, be secure, get successful, reach those goals, but now there's a new goal and it is never safe and there's more and more anxiety and fear and it's self-concern. Can anybody relate to that? Anybody? So how do we break it? 
Let's look at Moses. In the midst of this crisis, a flagrant disobedience. I mean, this is just, can it get any worse? Moses is the calm one. Moses reasons with God. Do you really want to do that? Do you really want to prove everyone who thinks you're bad right? Moses is very clear about who God is. You are the God who brought us out of Egypt. You are the one who freed us. You are the one of power. You are the God of Israel, Abraham, Jacob. You are the one who makes promises and keeps them. That is who you are, God. Moses states what he believes. He refuses to give up on God. He's very clear. And God repents. God shows mercy, forgiveness, steadfast love. God is and decides to be who God is. As people of faith, we must know who we are and who we worship and who sets us free and has the power to set us free from the worst tyranny. God's compassion, God's ways, compassion has power to free us from our fears that make us slaves of violence and success. The gods that kill us. And it is vitally important that we be clear about who gives us good things, who we are to thank. There is a being of love greater than us. And greater than anything we can do or make, and that is God. Christ, our center what we say. It's who we seek to be, to make God the center of our lives. Mercy, compassion, directing our lives to mercy and compassion. While self-indulgence is no basis for an enduring society, interdependence, community, concern for others are this is what lowers anxiety and community. We have it. And we as Christian people are called to lead the world and to be that calm presence, clear about who God is, what we believe, that our God is a God of goodness and compassion and mercy and has the power to free us from tyrants. Living with love at the center of our lives. We want to see what that looks like. Malala. She knows who she is. She knows what she believes. 
she's very clear and calm. God just radiates through her. It is hard to keep God at the center of our lives, or quite frankly, get God near the center of our lives. It is a struggle. But that's why we practice our faith. It doesn't come like that. We have to practice. It's why we come to worship, why we direct our hearts and minds into that love of God and learning and experiencing the love. It's why we do the acts of compassion, because we worship God, and doing acts of compassion is a way of worshiping God. We make sacrifices of our time and our energy to put God back at the center. And yes, making a financial sacrifice is one of the most powerful ways to displace other things and get a little bit closer to God at the center. We are called to be clear about who we are, who we worship, who gives us the good things and the gift of God's own loving, compassion, presence? Who has the power over the tyranny of anxiety? Let us know whom to thank. It is life-saving to do so. Amen.